things can be scary, but if I can put myself into a position to where I'm constantly used to being uncomfortable, then um, any limits I have are non-existent, you know? And being able to achieve what I have set out to do is exciting, you know? And it's, I enjoy it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm in a position in life where I have a lot of great support. I mean, I, I have great family, friends, um, two little ones that really push me to, to be better in life and I want one thing that really drives me is showing them you know how to live a life that you enjoy and not being bound to you know the typical stresses of like money you know for example obviously like people you know their lives are just ran by how much they make welcome to the freedom chasers podcast where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories successes goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we are thrilled to have Natalie Perez. Um, Natalie, we'd love to just kick it off with a story. So why don't you tell us one of the craziest real estate stories or experiences that you've had? Okay. Um, so the first uh, property that I sold was a quadplex. It was two hours from where I'm at, where our office is. Um, so I had to do some traveling for that, which was fine. But um, the biggest thing with that was it was my very first property. So I'm still learning. I'm still kind of growing in the company, trying to understand everything. Um, and my investor ended up being, he was Chinese and he only spoke Mandarin, not one word of English. Um, so I'm working with an investor who only speaks Mandarin. So we're trying to translate Mandarin to English, English to Mandarin. And then I also am trying to network and find contractors that could work with him. And I happened to find a contractor that only spoke Spanish. So <laughs> I was working with language barriers. And that was kind of, I mean, to me, that was pretty crazy. I was traveling a couple hours, meeting people that didn't speak English. So we were going from... English to Mandarin, Mandarin to Spanish, Spanish to English. And that was just a wild experience for my very first uh, sale. That was your very first sale. Yeah. So I learned a lot, including different languages. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My first, which typically it's a little bit, I mean, I've heard it's, you know, not ever not going to be that complicated uh, (laughs) with the company I work for and how we work with our investors. But, um, yeah, my very first sale was working with two different languages and trying to translate and understand what I'm doing and what they're needing and kind of tying all that in. Love it. Yeah. So so take us back to the origin part of the story. I know you're newer into the investing world and we're super excited to dive into this to give people inspiration on the journey like the one you're on. So but what led you into real estate? What what preceded that? Uh well, um I started in property management, but specifically for apartments. So it was kind of crazy. I was actually working at a coffee shop right after college. And then one of my regulars was like, hey, do you want a better job? And I was like, sure. So then I started in hospitality. And then with my hospitality experience, I was looking for an apartment. And they were like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, yeah, that's great. So I started in uh, property management with apartments. Uh, Really enjoyed that. Kind of learned a lot about real estate when I was working there. Um, And knew that I didn't want to just stick with apartments. I wanted to go for like houses. I've always been interested in just touring houses and kind of just enjoying that. Um, But essentially, it wasn't just that it was fun going to open houses and trying to learn about the industry. It was that um, 
actually uh, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And it really just kind of connected with how I was thinking about how I wanted to live my life a little bit differently and not do the dreaded nine to five, you know, uh, be miserable in my job. Um, I wanted something that was flexible, but lucrative and something that I actually enjoyed. And it kind of just my whole mindset towards life and towards work shifted. And I was like, you know, if I can get into a job that I enjoy, that I, that's flexible, that I'm not feeling bad if I have to take a day off of work and I actually get out of it what I'm putting into it, like real estate, that's it. So that was really my drive. Um, you know, property management kind of got me in the realm and then reading that book and kind of mm -hmm. thinking on a different mindset, watching motivational videos, kind of getting my head in a different place when it came to work. And that's what got me into it into wanting to pursue it. Very cool. I mean, obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, great book. A lot of our listeners obviously have read it. Um, so now you've read the book that inspired you to take mm -hmm. action. You've taken action. You've been closing deals. What is the difference between your expectations of what it would be like in reality? It's a great question. Um, I was expecting, honestly, at first I didn't really know what to expect really, because I was so, I had it in my head, I was going to do traditional real estate, whereas working with investors is completely different. So um, I'm enjoying learning a lot of the differences. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, I think what I love about it is, um, you know, initially you expect to go into like a house and you have, everything has to be perfect and you want to, you know, everything to be great and everything to run smoothly. Whereas working with investors and walking into a house, there could be a dead animal and they're like, wow, this is perfect. You know what I mean? Like, cause you can really <laughs> envision the potential and the beauty in a house that's just distressed and torn apart and, you know, abandoned. So, um, like I honestly, I really didn't know what to expect, but it's been a lot of really great surprises and a lot of new things that I'm learning that I didn't know I was going to learn um, when I first started my journey in real estate and pretty much everything I learned in my real estate class. I mean, I'm taking some of it into this, but I'm learning so much more when it comes to the investment side. Love it. So I find it interesting. Your first transaction is a trilingual transaction. Yeah. You're talking about dead animals yeah. and you're talking about fun. You're laughing, you're smiling. Is this just part of your personality that you've always been drawn to challenge and love new things? Or did you have to go through a mindset shift? Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, I think, I mean, just with everybody goes through struggles. And I think from just a very early age, I started listening to motivational videos. And honestly, that really kind of just, I think, directed my mindset towards a different way of looking at things compared to the average person. Um, I really just learned how to take everything, you know, and just be positive about what I'm going through and, and really just enjoy life in a different way than I think that other people do and actively taking, you know, steps to enjoying things like exercise or taking my vitamins or really reading and being knowledgeable and enjoy, like doing things that I enjoy though. You know, I've, like I said, getting into real estate was something that I wanted to do. So here I am actually doing a job that I enjoy. Therefore mm. it's hard not to be energetic and excited about it. So, okay. Yeah. I want to ask a follow-up on this. So it, it appears from uh -huh. the way that you answered that question, 
that you not like, so like when a lot of people listen to inspirational self-development type stuff, they do it for the strategies. There seems to be a suggestion in what you're saying, which is that actually it changed the level of positivity of with which you experience life. Mm-hmm. Like, am I hearing that correctly? Like it actually changed your positive meter about the world listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I just, you know, over and over and over again was constantly listening to someone saying, don't let fear hold you back from doing anything. And I really, really took that to heart. And as I'm going through life and I'm not letting fear hold me back and I'm pushing through and I'm reaching goals that may have scared me in the past and I'm realizing I can do it and getting to a point where, you know, things can be scary, but if I can put myself into a position to where I'm constantly used to being uncomfortable, then um, any limits I have are non-existent, you know, and being able to achieve what I have set out to do is exciting, you know, and it's, I enjoy it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm in a position in life where I have a lot of great support. I mean, I, I have great family, friends, um, two little ones that really push me to, to be better in life. And I want one thing that really drives me is showing them, you know, how to live a life that you enjoy and not being bound to, you know, the typical stresses of like money, you know, for example, obviously like people, you know, their lives are just ran by how much they make. And I think it's important to spend time with my family. And that's why I got into real estate. Again, it's, you know, could be potential to be very lucrative and then just show them that. I mean, I love the name of your guys's podcast. I mean, Freedom Chasers, like it's so true. You know, it's really learning how to be financially independent and being able to do something that I enjoy that allows me to spend my time with my kids. I mean, you know, it's a good life. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you said something super, super important right at the beginning there. Um, You said you're constantly trying to stay outside of your comfort zone and getting comfortable being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. which I just think is like almost the most important thing, like nobody is going to reach the ceiling of their potential within their comfort zone. You might reach a a level of success, but you're never going to have a life of freedom. If you don't get outside your comfort zone, it is simply not possible. So I'm curious, like what specific knowledge did you pull in that made that important to you? What do you mean exactly? Um, like, was there a book, a podcast or oh. something that, that, that influenced that opinion? Sure. Uh, again, probably it just a lot of my, you know, thoughts, uh, when, with that answer is just goes back to maybe a motivational video that I had watched, um, or a book, you know, I do, okay. I do try to read a lot of books. Um, but the videos really are what I take to heart and really, I don't know if it's the music or what it is, but just gets me pumped and taking what I hear in these videos and putting them into practice or kind of seeing how it works in my life. You know, when I first heard that about um, getting used to being uncomfortable so that your limits are non-existent, I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense because for a perfect example with, with real estate, maybe like cold calling, for example, or just meeting strangers or talking to people that you're like, I don't know if I am bothering them or this, you know, and it's just like, really like if I'm uncomfortable, but it's going to turn out well, then I'm going to continue. I need to put myself in these uncomfortable situations if they're going to continue to, I mean, obviously some are going to not be great, but for the most part, you know, they're turning out well. And it's showing me that I need to continue to be uncomfortable because it's not going to be the outcome, the negative outcome that I, that most people assume it's going to be. Uh, Another, one of my favorite quotes is limits like fears are often just an illusion. 
And mm-hmm. it's so true. You know, that's another problem. I think, again, that was from another motivational video I had listened to. And I, that really, really stuck with me because it's, you know, if you, when you like fear, you're people are so afraid of, of doing anything. Fear really holds people back, but you get past that and you can do anything. So true. Let's, let's bring some of the challenges to focus. Some of the challenges of getting into your journey. I just love your approach to this. So you're separating these and saying, Hey, these, these fears are not real. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. Can you describe, because this early part of the journey, what are some of the challenges that you personally had to face in this process? Sure. So, um, I have two little ones, a one-year-old and a three and a half year old. Um, and I'm a single mom right now. Uh, luckily I do have my parents support, but I think really kind of getting my head space into like just getting my head into a place where I was, you know, I really had to work with going through my real estate school and on top of taking care of two kids on top of working a part-time job. And it was just very overwhelming. Um, and then even after that, you know, figuring out care for them and going from, cause before this, I was a stay at home mom. Um, so I went from not working, but just full-time working as a stay-at-home mom and then going into being a single mom and just knowing I needed to do something, knowing that I wanted to do real estate and I wasn't going to let this hold me back because it is, it's scary because obviously, you know, a lot of people when it comes to real estate is it's commission-based, you know, you're not working for an hourly wage. So, you know, you're working hard, but you don't know when you're going to sell that next deal or that property. And, you know, you're working to find people who can buy from you. So, going into a position to where everything was kind of unknown, but a job that like was still again, kind of unknown, not having a secure like paycheck um, was difficult. And then on top of that, you know, the full-time parenting with school and then full-time job. I mean, it was just a lot, you know, definitely still feels overwhelming. Absolutely. Oh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So I'd say that was probably the biggest challenge was, yeah, just juggling life, you know, with a new career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you made some very important distinctions, you know. um, So I was raised by a single father um, until I was about 12. He got remarried then. Um, That was a real estate entrepreneur as well. So, I mean, I could kind of see this from the other side. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, it's it's very cool what you're doing. Um, Could you like, how do you find balance? Like right now, as you're starting off your career, it tends to be a bit of a grind. So like, how do you find the balance where you could be there for your kids mm-hmm. and you could still accomplish your dreams at the same time? So luckily my dad right now is a stay at home grandpa. So I'm very, very blessed with that. Uh-huh. Uh, he watches my daughter. My son goes to preschool. Um, it's really just, I'm very type A. Uh, I have my space has to be very organized in order for me to function. And we're very set on our routine, you know, so we have our morning routine, we get up, get ready, go to school, go to work, you know, everything has to stay pretty consistent and organized for me to function well and kind of just continue. Um, But I mean, I just, I practice very healthy habits. I try to exercise when I can. Um, I spend time with the kids um, after school, you know, we do healthy activities and play together. So that mean. Going to work really helps me enjoy my time with them a lot when I'm home. And just, again, just establishing that routine and staying consistent is, I think, really what at the end of the day is helping to continue to be successful and and move forward without getting too overwhelmed. 
So take us, take us into the next part of the journey. So you have kids situation taken care of, you still got all that. So what, what has been the journey like since you've been in real estate? Talk about the real estate side. Sure, sure. So essentially, um, so right now we're really just trying to establish um, ourselves in the new office and find investors in the area. Our closest office was Raleigh, um, and you know they've worked with some investors here in Fayetteville. But since we've opened our office in Fayetteville, it's really just networking, getting to know people, putting our name out there, letting investors know, hey, we're here, and we are a one-stop shop for all your investment needs. And you know we're excited to be here to help. Networking, trying to find investors, trying to find contractors that, you know, that are reliable, that we can refer to our investors. Um, you know, we're working, um, getting to know agents as well. So it's really just establishing those relationships, letting people know that we're there and, um, you know, we're, we've got these deals and, and we're excited to, to work and see what, what our investors are doing here in Fayetteville because the market's pretty great here with the price point and the, we've got a huge army base as well. Very cool. Yeah. Oftentimes army base locations are good investments because, you know, obviously there's going to be people coming in and out of there all the time. All the time. So that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So, very cool. I mean, you just mentioned a number of different ways that you're, you're networking with certain groups, but could we get into specifics of what kind of strategies you guys are utilizing in order to increase your network? Sure, sure. Um, so one of them is, uh, of course, we have our lead generation, you know, leads that come in through our software that we use. Um, and then we're on pretty much every social media platform. Um, so just putting it out there as far as our deals and how we work with investors. Uh, we also have a program. I mean, we do what's called like flipper map or a reverse MLS search where we find people who have flipped a property in the area uh, or maybe near a, a one of the properties that we're currently trying to sell. And we're, we reach out to them like, hey, you know, I see that you flipped a property. Are you an investor in the area? Are you looking for your next project? You know, I'm a investor myself and a licensed agent. And this is what we have to offer if you're looking for your next deal. Very cool. So you mentioned you're a licensed agent. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the state of Illinois, you need to be licensed to wholesale. Mm -hmm. um, I, that is not the most common way that it's done. So I'm just curious, like where that's going. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm not like, I mean, I got my, I went through real estate school. Um, I got my license. Uh, I was offered the job before I got my license. Um, so I had always known I was going to get my license. I wanted to be a real estate agent. Uh, luckily I had, uh, taken the job and I got that offer before I finished school. So it really kind of helped me push to continue school. Cause I knew I had a a place to work afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what makes that different with all of us being licensed is that um, it's a little, you know, we're on a larger scale, like we're all being that we're licensed, it's a little more regulated, we're abiding by, you know, the laws. Um, it's not like some people when they hear wholesaling, they're like, Oh, you know, I don't really know about wholesaling because some, you know, there's bad experiences, and it could be kind of tricky. But with all of us being licensed, you know, like I said, we're working under a company's name. And um, I think that kind of gives a lot of trust in, in our investors with our investors. Super cool. And so as a result, are you typically able to then work both sides of the aisle as far as, as you reverse prospect these investors, are you solely investor focused or? As of now I am, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really considered anything um, differently just because I'm still learning and growing in the company and we're, you know, understanding uh, how investment works and working specifically with investors. So I don't want to jump over, but I think that that is an option as long as all broker and charges are on the same page. Um, but yeah, I'm specifically working just with investors at the moment. Super cool. I'm interested in knowing how you're setting your vision and your goals. So one of the things that I think is so fun about business and real estate is like you can carve whatever life that you want for yourself mm -hmm. if you can clearly see it and start taking action towards it. So what do you see as your 12-month vision You know, for what's going to be accomplished in the next 12 months? I mean, I just, I want to sell multiple houses a month. Um, I definitely, right now I'm really still focusing on building my buyers list and getting to know investors. And, um, that's essentially like where I'm at right now is just really trying to outreach and network and get to know people. And, um, so that, cause we have all this awesome inventory and I don't, I have a list of investors, but I want to really get out there and get a larger list. So I'm like, you know, I know more multiple people for all the different properties we have because we have a lot of properties, you know, for specific strategies and criteria for our investors. So it's really building that buyer's list initially. Um, so that's kind of what my short-term goal is. And then, you know, really starting to continue to sell, uh, especially like regularly for, our, you know, investors that are doing multiple projects a year. Um, so ideally, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say I want to sell at least three houses a month, but uh, I, at the end of the day, that's going to continue to um, increase as I continue to work in the industry and work with investors and grow my buyers list. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Awesome. So in addition to selling three houses a month, like how would you define, like this is the Freedom Chasers podcast and we're all about freedom and purpose. Can you define maybe what you feel like so far is your life's purpose and what would freedom look like if you achieved it? Spending time with my family, you know, not, not feeling like I'm always at work. I've, I mean, when I worked in property management with apartments, I worked nine to six. I mean, I didn't have kids at the time, but, um, that was just a long day. And with, with real estate, I mean, you're working very hard. I work evenings, I work weekends, but I at least have peace of mind that I am flexible. 
Um, if I need to take a day off to spend time with my kids, I never want to feel like I'm missing out on life because I am always at work. And I think that that, you know, freedom, that's a lot of freedom, mental freedom too, you know, and then freedom of your time. And then as I continue to be more successful, freedom financially, you know, I mean, it just, I feel like real estate really gives you freedom in so many ways. And that's, you know, why I got into it. So I, I, it's just spending time with my family, the ones I love and, you know, setting myself up for the future and not just having to worry about money all the time because too many people do. And it just seems so miserable. Oh, you are 100% um, correct there. Money is not everything. And, and you know, oftentimes people think it is. And then when they have money and they're unhappy, they're like, oh, I thought this was going to fix all my problems. And then that's yeah. just not how it works, unfortunately. So, I mean, money isn't everything. Uh, we love asking that question in particular because everybody's idea of freedom is completely different. And I just, I love that you rolled your kids into that um, because, you know, being a good uh, motherly figure is obviously extremely important. Um, I would love to dive into some specifics. Um, you're talking about three deals per month as a goal. Is that going to be still primarily on the disposition side or is there a point where they switch you from disposition to acquisition or is there a point where you're running both ends or just kind of give me an idea where what kind of progression is natural there? Sure, sure. So they definitely give us the opportunity to go from a disposition agent to an acquisition agent. Um, I That would be something I would be very interested in in the future as I continue to learn because the working the numbers seems so fascinating to me and I just, I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I think I'm not sure what the time frame is, but I know most of the, um, you know, if you're in a disposition agent, you're there for a specific period of time before you're ready to jump into acquisitions. It's great about the company is it seems like everybody just continues to grow and they continue to move up in the company. So that's, you know, the potential for growing is endless. Awesome. So one of the things that I'm excited to talk about since you're newer to the journey is, can you describe one of the challenges you're facing right now or one of the obstacles you perceive you'll face so that we can have like a small discussion about, you know, problem solving. We love if we can, and we don't usually get the opportunity much, like I'd like to tackle a problem with you. Like what are you seeing as being maybe the obstacle to your success that we could all discuss? Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. I think it's finding solid investors who are really, not that I don't, I really, I like working with new investors and I like working with seasoned investors, but it's finding an actual investor compared to someone who's just, I don't know, maybe not really investing or they say they're interested and they're not interested. And, you know, you're working really hard to send out these deals and try to work with them. And it just seems like I'm working all day and I'm not, I don't have anyone who's actually serious. So I think um, I'm on all these platforms and websites and marketing and putting, you know, putting myself out there and um, not really getting back those solid investor leads that I have been hoping for and looking for. Interesting. And so essentially the process you guys are doing now, you said you're on the platforms. And also, I think earlier you mentioned you guys are reverse finding these investors, mm -hmm. essentially seeing that they're conducting transactions and connecting with them. Yeah. And yet it's still the case that most of these investors are what we would call on the agent side, looky-loo 
fires. Yeah, it's either that or um, they're already working with another agent. So as our company grows, you know, we opened up our office in Fayetteville. Uh, we had another office and we have another office in Raleigh. So it's really outreaching and finding investors who aren't already working with somebody with New Western um, or who are actually serious with working with us and, and working on a deal with us. Totally. So tell us a little bit more about what is the social, like what, tell, tell us about what's happening on the platforms to get these buyers. Yeah, honestly, I've had a lot of great luck with um, Craigslist. That seems to be the place that I'm getting more serious investors, um, which I was like, I, I didn't even, I was like, people still use Craigslist? So that was kind of a crazy surprise for me, but mm -hmm. they actually do. I think my first um, property that I sold came from an investor from Craigslist. So really, it's just putting the deals out there um, and... Um, you know, try not to be too salesy, but showing people like, you know, hey, we have what you're looking for. We've done the numbers. We've done the work. We know this would be a great deal for you as an investor, whatever strategy you're looking to do. If it's long-term rental, short-term rental, you know, the Burr method, or if you're trying to fix and flip, you know, we've crunched the numbers. And if you crunch the numbers too, you'll see that this is going to be a good outcome uh, for you as your, as an investor. So, um, it's, yeah, it's really just putting, putting that information out there without being pushy and just you saying like, this is, we're here and this is what we have. So work with us. Cause it's a great, you know, we're, like I said, in the beginning, we're a one-stop shop for investors and there's no fee to work with us initially, you know, to send out the deals on a daily basis. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So, I mean, you had mentioned before, um, that you're, not getting all serious investors. I mean, I was curious if you're running into this because there are people that teach daisy chaining as the model to use. Do you think you're running into a lot of daisy chainers that are, or, or very early wholesalers? Because obviously if you post in a Facebook group, you'll get 30 responses, but how many of them are actually real buyers? You're probably talking like 75% wholesaler or daisy chainer, right? So, I mean, yeah. is that one of the issues that you're running into or just kind of give me more um, feedback there. So you know, honestly, the right I think the biggest thing is maybe being a female in this industry and not getting serious um, requests for real estate. You know, they're looking for something else kind of thing. If I'm being completely blunt, um, uh, being a female okay. yeah, in the industry is, uh, you know, I think it's been good. And like I said, I've been getting some serious investors, but I think maybe being on social media and all the social media platforms, those are the ones that are bringing in the most leads, but the least qualified ones. Yeah. And maybe some potential for some risky scenarios. You hear more and more of these cases where people are targeting female, you know, real estate agents or real estate investors. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is. There is always that risk hundred percent. So I'd like to dive into this. I'd like to dive into, give me some examples of what, I know deals can range from bazillions of dollars of profit to, to no profit and cash flow. And I, give us an idea of what general deals look like because we invest all across the country. We work with investors across the country. I live in California, so almost everything seems extremely cheap. But if you wouldn't mind working, like kind of working out some numbers on what deals look like, because maybe we can help point you and some out-of-state investors might be a good good possibility. Yeah. Well, and again, that's why we opened up our office in Fayetteville because we realized that the price point was just excellent, even compared to, you know, the triangle, like Raleigh, you know, um, the 
I mean, it's just so much cheaper. So we're selling houses, you know, from as low as like 55,000, but those maybe need a lot of rehab, but you know, it's like 80,000. I mean, we just had a great deal or we currently have a deal. It's like five little homes on the same street for 230,000, all fully rented, um, month to month renters. Um, if you wanted to do rehab, I know, I know your faces, you're just like, what? And that's so, so let me stop you here. Let me stop you here <laughs> real quick. Tell me about these already rented, uh-huh. already renovated. What are the rents on these things? Um, I want to say, um, uh, let's see. I know after rehab, you can make up to like five. I want to say it was like a tw- little two thousand, two to three thousand dollars for the rent monthly of total mm-hmm. for all five combined. Uh huh. So like a one percent rule, and then did you were you starting to say that they can get up to five thousand? Uh huh. Yeah, these are comps after rehab. Um, if you wanted to get a new tenant, uh, you know, then you could get upwards of five thousand rent for that. Um, all five of the little homes. Have these homes already sold? Not yet. No. Okay. Uh, off show, we're not going to release the addresses to anybody. Right. Off show, we might have some <laughs> some investors we can connect you to. Yeah, that would be great. I think it's a great deal, you know. And again, what I was saying before, I mean, we have all these deals. I'm just trying to build those relationships and those connections. Like, hey, we have these. You know, who can I talk to? Who can I let know that this this is a great deal? That I mean, it's just X that for it was great cash flow for rent. Whether you keep the tenants or you move them out, rehab, and then you know, rent it out for even more. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper. So you talk about going from $2,000 or $3,000 a month to $5,000 a month. That's a humongous jump. Is it that they're just literally that far under rented or is there a strategy shift that's going to happen to get to 5,000 like an Airbnb or alternate forms of, of income? Well, all, I mean, all the properties that we're working with are in a distressed state, essentially they, most of them need rehab. So it's essentially just bringing them back up to market value and being able to rent them out based on the comps, what other, you know, rentals are renting for in that area. Okay. And then for that one, like what would the after repaired value look like on that? For the whole property? Do you have numbers on that? I don't have that at the top of my head. That is, a, I'd say that's okay. another probably thing with the, with our company is we move so fast and we were getting a multiple properties on a daily basis. So I'm trying to learn how to also just stay completely organized because we could have one property and then in 10 minutes after it comes out, it's completely gone. So you have it in your head, you know, when the showing is going to be, you crunch the numbers, you're looking at our packets with all the great details. And then before you know it, it's gone and you're like, oh, wait, you know, so we're going through all these, all the properties. Um, but yeah, at the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to give you that answer, but um, I do. What, what's great about our company is we provide project analysis packets. So they're very, very detailed packets of all of the deals that we have, all the properties we have. It includes, um, you know, pictures, tax records, comps, um, you know, school districts, like a a map. I mean, we give all the information um, that our investors need to be able to determine if it's going to be a good project for them. But yeah, it's, yeah, that's, they go, they can go pretty fast because we don't technically hold inventory. We do a double closing with our buyers. So we'll find the um, property. And then once we find the buyer, we close on the same day with the buyer. And then it's just very, very quick process. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. So let's talk long-term now. So you talked about your, your yearly goal. You're looking to do three transactions a month. It's like, where do you want to see yourself in five years? Um, you know, with the opportunity to grow in this company, I wouldn't mind getting to a point where I can open up my own office. 
it's really, really cool to see where the other agents in my company are at because, you know, I'm saying three deals a month, but there are disposition agents that are working um, like in Raleigh, for example, that are selling mall. I mean, just a ton a month. Um, so I don't even, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say um, in a, in a year, I want to just be selling three. Cause I feel like I could definitely get to a much higher number um, in that time as I continue to work hard and, and grow and learn and network. Um, but in five years, just with the potential to grow with the company, I, I definitely would love to open my own office uh, in a location that they don't have one. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so let me ask you this. Hold on. I'm thinking. All right. Um, I got a question. <laughs> I got a question while you're thinking. Oh, okay. Go so what, what do you typically see as being like generally the amount of profit that you're trying to get to your investors? Like if I, if I'm thinking about becoming Natalie's investor in Fayetteville, like what would your pitch to me be? Like, Hey Matt, stick with me. I'm going to find you this many deals a month. And this is how much profit you could expect to get from me. If, if you set aside, say third of a million or half a million dollars to invest. Well, I think initially I would be asking you, what is your goal? What do you want to get out of it? You know, with your projects and then kind of going from there with working with our acquisitions agents and letting them know like this, you know, my, cause we do, we try to do that. We, we love feedback. We love objections. We want to know what our investors are looking for. You know, I don't want to say, Hey, this is what I can get you. I want to say, what do you want? And then I'm going to go out there and find it. All right. So let's role play this here for a second. Okay. So, um, I'm in the sales background. So role playing is like, you know, just yeah. word of the day, exactly. you know, in that industry, I want max profit. Uh huh. Right. I mean like whatever market is, let's double it. Right. Like, so how, how do you handle a, an investor that, you know, not, of course I usually have to settle for what's reasonable cause that's what's out there, but right. how do you handle an investor that is essentially like pie in the sky you know, av let's say you're presenting like a one, one and a half percent a month deal, like in the, the earlier case scenario you gave, but I want 3%. Mm -hmm. So that that's, so I'm coming to, I want a 3% a month deal. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar purchase, I want $3,000 in rents. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what does that conversation look like? You know what? I haven't had that conversation yet. Uh, I'm sure that I absolutely will, um, only just because I'm still fairly new. And I have found that as I'm starting out, I'm working with uh, other newer investors. Um, I know that that situation comes up a lot though. I just personally haven't had to deal with that myself, but I can imagine the way that I would go about it would just to be, um, you know, as I continue to learn that side and understand how the acquisition side works and how the numbers work and how it's going to benefit our, um, investors and what kind of looks a little bit like it's just not going to work. And then those numbers don't match, you know, um, I'm sure I can combat that uh, just with respect and try to have a level of understanding myself so that I can express it to our investors to how it makes sense and how that's not going to work in a kind way, you know, cause I don't want to totally. make them feel mm -hmm. like, um, they're being completely unreasonable. <laughs> I used to want to be professional, but also, you know, sometimes that's just, it's, you're asking for too much, but again, cool. you know, I haven't experienced that personally yet. All right. I want to dig a little bit deeper. So I don't want to let you off the hook. So let's just say I get pie in the sky. Let's say you have a nice, you know, come to Jesus conversation with me, Matt, you're, you're nuts. 
but I still want to know, like, what can I expect? Like, what is possible in Fayetteville? Oh, one percent deals, two percent deals. What what is possible in your market? Um, I I mean, from just what I've learned and heard, we're going off of one percent a lot. It seems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So if I'm buying a property for a hundred thousand dollars, you could probably find me a deal that's getting me a thousand a month in rents. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um. So Natalie, you mentioned you like getting outside of your comfort zone earlier. Would you? Because how you role play is how your role pays. Steal Elijah Rubin's line. Um, I, would you be game to do a role play session with Matt Cavanaugh right now? We'll put a timer on it at five minutes. Um, so no more than five minutes. Let's pretend you're giving Matt Cavanaugh a call. You know he's a buyer, okay. right? You know he's a buyer. Are you open for sure. this? Because I think Matt is going to be able to give you some phenomenal feedback. Yeah, probably. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, absolutely. I've probably only made a half a million phone calls in my life. Well, that might be overstating a little bit, but it feels that way nonetheless. So yeah, yeah, let's let's role play. Do it. All right, I'm ready. Cool. So you're so she's calling me. So so let's say she found, let's get let's set the stage a little bit here. So let's say she yeah. found that I had bought a property in Fayetteville and flipped it. So she's reverse prospecting me. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Ring ring. Hello. <laughs> Hi, my name is Natalie. How are you doing this morning? Doing good. Good, good. Um, I am an investor and a licensed agent here in Fayetteville. Uh, I actually came across one of your properties that you had flipped recently, and I was just wanting to talk to you about your experience in investing and see if you're looking for your next project. Yeah, I, I could see myself doing another project. What do you What do you got cooking? Awesome. I mean, well, we I come across 25 to 35 deals a month. Um, we're pretty essentially a one-stop shop for our investors. We find deals, we fund them. Uh, we also can offer resources such as contractors and agents for after rehab and you go to list the property. Um, but first, I'd, I'd really love to hear your experience in investing and uh, talk to you about you know previous projects and kind of what you're looking for as far as your criteria and you know what what you're looking for for your next project. Yeah, so this might sound crazy, but I have two cardinal. Uh, buy box principles. One is if I'm buying for equity, I want at least a hundred thousand dollars spread. And if I'm buying for cash flow, I want at least five hundred dollars a month. Okay, great. And so do you primarily um invest in the area or do you invest outside of state? Are you um do you have properties in Fayetteville? Uh I don't currently. I, I've gotten rid of them, but I invest anywhere in the country where we can hit those metrics. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I definitely think that, you know, um, with all of our investors and we, we, we provide a project analysis packet. So it goes over all the information of the property with the comps, uh, really helps you determine, um, you know, the profit you're going to gain with that project, um, you know, after rehab. And, uh, we kind of help you determine what that's going to look like after, you know, what, depending on the strategy that you're looking for, like you said, with renting or fixing and flipping. Totally. Cool. Great. <laughs> awesome. All right. So yeah, let's dive into this. And so I think your personality is fun and light and energetic. I think that's really positive. One of the challenges we see with that personality is how do you balance a sense of authority with the sense of positivity? Mm. And so there's, there's some techniques that you can do where just using a, just a slightly deeper voice tonality and just a little bit different pacing 
you can keep the optimism and yet develop a much more of a sense of, okay, she's in charge. And it's, it's interesting when you talk about phone dynamics, because essentially, regardless of how good you are at your job, your voice is what the consumer, the client is going to base their decision on your talent. So you could be the worst investor in human history, but if your voice is right, they'll think you're the best you can be, you know, or vice versa. Uh, so that would potentially be one point of an, uh, of encouragement would be to take your very naturally happy and very positive. Like I had a very positive feeling when I talked to you, my natural question that was ringing in my brain is how, what is her level of authority? Mm. And so if mm -hmm. you are willing, and I know most people who train in sales are, it's terrifying, but if you're willing to record yourself and play it back, you know, then that's like the beginning of great things. So like, I know when I first started doing that as a sales rep, it was like the most horrific thing ever. Um, and mm -hmm. my voice was terrible when it came to sales. Like the nerves were so high. My hands would sweat when I would make calls. Not to mention my boss had told me I was like one of the worst phone salesperson he's ever heard. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then I got to recording and I realized he was right. And just step-by-step step, we, we built from there. So if you're willing to record yourself, I think that it just begins that process. Um, the other thing too, I would, I would encourage you with is to ask as many questions as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And then to focus on those questions being worded in such a way where it increases engagement. So like, for example, you'll want to ask for a lot of information, but what you ask for up front is a factor. So if you ask for like somebody's deep, dark secrets on question one, they're going to shut you down. So it's, it's a series of increasingly important questions so that they feel comfortable with the process. And then the longer you can delay the pitch, the longer you can delay the feature benefit conversations, I think the better. And so I would say just shuffling those pieces around, you're going to build a tremendous amount of client confidence and it'll probably increase your, your investors that will work with you by a, by a fairly big margin. Great. Great. That's great advice. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Thanks Tim for throwing us on the spot. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, she said she likes getting uncomfortable, bro. So I had to throw it out there, there you because go. I, I thought it would be valuable. Well, you know, it, so, I mean, I, really I want to give you some feedback too. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, my thoughts were very close to Matt's. So I just want to first off echo that, that, um, First off, you're super welcoming and friendly and your tone comes off as great. But yeah, like he said, it's not super authoritative. But what's awesome about it is already you sound confident. You just, mm -hmm. yeah, like he said, work on that a little bit because it doesn't sound like you're new at all. You, you were kind of flowing through it. Um, so yeah, I mean, a little bit more authoritative. Mm -hmm. and, and I put in huge um, circle like ask way more questions yeah. like yeah so like you kind of shifted to the pitch pretty quickly ah. and that at first it was just a conversation and then it became a pitch pretty quickly so if you could do more questions and get to learn more about them they're going to be more engaged and they'll be more open and willing for the pitch later mm -hmm. um would be the greatest advice i have so it's mostly just echoing what he said yeah. but i mean i have it written down here so i figured i'd throw it out yeah absolutely and one more and this might take too much time or not be doable but one of the things that you can do if the prospect for prospective client is a reverse, like if you found them through reverse process where you could see what deal they did, if there's any way to develop a sense of the pictures or that success that you can comment on like, Hey, I found you because you did this deal on 
124 Main Street. And I saw that you bought it at 47,000 and sold it at 98,000. And so like they're immediately probably going to be stunned by the level of attention to detail and work. And again, that model may not work for you because maybe you're trying to call 100 people a day or something. But if you're not, if the number of leads is small, you probably have time to do those details. And the, the level of attention and care that that's going to communicate to someone is going to be palpable. Like if someone called me and said, hey, Matt, I just, I saw this flip. I'm like super impressed with what you did with it. I saw the end pictures when it, you know, when it sold, I'd be like, all right. I don't usually talk to salesmen, even though I am. And yeah. So I don't like, it's funny, like some people are like, Matt, you should have more respect for salespeople because you are one. And I'm like, well, they got to have skills. But if you came in with that yeah. pitch, I'd be like, okay, all right. I could spare five minutes. Oh. So yeah. yeah. So that might be one, one play as well. And, Absolutely. and just leading you. Yeah, into I, it. I think, yeah. um, like specifics would be great. Like, especially because as you mentioned before, you're a female, like if you dove into the specifics, like I love what you did with the kitchen there or something like that. I think that would really open up the conversation too. So I mean, got to mention the kitchen yeah. when we have a woman on Tim. <laughs> well, I'm not trying <laughs> to be sexist at all, but I'm just saying if, if I were a woman, I would probably do that on purpose. Um, so <laughs> I'm just messing with you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that would be a great way to engage them a little bit more. Um, so people that tend to be successful in real estate investing or kind of real estate in general tend to be one of, you know, very few different types of personalities and most of them like being complimented um, and encouraged. So, I mean, it's a great way to lead it off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's funny though that, I mean, I, I think that's great advice. And when I first started, uh, like first getting on the phone, I feel like whenever I get nervous, my pitch goes higher than it already is. And I was like, I totally. could not sound more like mm -hmm. a sit like, hi, you know, like I'm like, just right? I'm Natalie. And they're like, hang up the phone. <laughs> I'm like, I have got to like lower my voice and try to figure out how to not be so. Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. It's something that's actually been in my mind as well as I've continued to call people and have these conversations and sound a little more serious compared to, um, I know some people, especially in like past um, jobs, like you don't have to take your job so serious. Like you're, you seem too like positive and peppy and, you know, and I'm like, I really, I really do enjoy what I do, but I think it's definitely finding that balance between and, and also listening to who I'm speaking with and um, matching their energy. And I think that uh, that was some good advice I was given as well is kind of matching their energy because um, that typically, you know, would be able to keep the conversation going. Totally. Yeah, because it conveys essentially that people want to do business with people that are the, like the same. Mm -hmm. And so just it's a subconscious process that, hey, if we have a similar energy, we have a similar thought pattern, similar in our belief structures, then of course, this person's good to do business with as opposed to we're very different. Exactly. So maybe we shouldn't do business. Exactly. Yeah. So cool hearing your journey. And, you know, I'm just like super uh, an admirer already in the sense that, you know, you're, you're pursuing your dreams, but, but you're not pursuing your dreams at the detriment of your family, at the detriment of everything else. It seems like there's a really cool element of keeping both things in, in view. And so I guess one question I have is like, when you arrive, where you're going to be like, what would you say? Like, do you have like a big cause in mind? Like once you, you know, are selling tons of houses, you own half of Fayetteville. Like what would, what would be the thing <laughs> that you'd pursue from a purpose perspective? 
at that point, what would I pursue? Mm -hmm. Um, Probably helping others. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing I've always been taught is, you know, I mean, when you're reaching your goals, you're constantly in a journey to reach your goals. But then once you get there and you're like, well, what's next? How am I going to fulfill this need to continue to move forward or to continue to be successful when I'm already successful? Like, how do I continue to do that? And it's one thing I've always known is just to to help others at that point. Love it. I love it too. Um, do you have any, you don't have to have an answer for this, by the way, but do you have any specific thoughts on how you would like to help others? Because I mean, it's great to have clarity of your vision so that you could go get Yeah. Honestly, I think I just want to show my kids. And most of what I do is just to be a good example for my children. So really, um, whatever I can do to show them how to be kind and to help others and to show them that others are less fortunate and that there's a lot of pain in the world and a lot of people that are in need of help, whatever that may look like, whether it's traveling um, or whether it's being right here in Fayetteville, you know, and just, um, I don't know the, the details right now because I'm not in a position, unfortunately, to be able to help others. But um, after I help myself and my family, and then I can show them how to help others, like, I, that's ideally what I would like to do once I'm in a spot where I want to be as far as um, success. Absolutely. No worries. You don't have to have everything figured out, yeah. right? I mean, the entrepreneur's game is like the, the last guy literally said, I have some things written down in pencil on purpose because yeah. your plans are going to change as you go. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a moving target because as you take more action, you figure out more about yourself and about your skill sets and you're able to direct it in a more positive direction. Um, so Natalie, anybody that would be interested in reaching out to you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, probably my phone number. Um, I think that's kind of funny to say, but you know, with as I've been working and um, everybody, all these like top people, top salespeople, people that are doing the the training and the videos, they're like, "Here's my number. Here's my email," and it's really showing people that you're going to take your time out for them to, you know, like, you're not going to send me an email and I'm going to get back to you in a month. Like, I'm serious about getting to know you, getting to communicate with you. And we all have our phones on us all the time. Um, so my phone number or my email, I mean, I'm, I'm all over social media as well. So there's a lot of different ways of getting in contact with me. Absolutely. So we will make sure all that information is in the show notes for Great. you. Um, Natalie Prez, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show where I'm excited to see where your journey goes. I encourage you to follow up with me in a year. Just tell me where you're at. We could probably have you on again and see where you yeah. get, because I would be excited to see where you get. I think you have a ton of potential. You have a lot of energy. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Self-discovery. Figure out who you are. Get better and better every Absolutely. day. And and yeah, I would encourage you to follow up because it would be cool to see where you are. I would here. love to. I would um, love to. And it's been such a pleasure. Thank you yeah. guys so much for having me and asking me those questions. And I mean, it's, it's just been great. I appreciate it. It's so much fun jumping into this industry and every day I'm learning something new. Absolutely. And thanks for going. You totally got put on the spot and you took that without, without qualm. You just went with it. So, I mean, that's awesome. I, I just, I have a lot of respect for you and I'm, I'm really excited to see where you Thank go. You. Um, so anyways, to, to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So please write down at least one action from today that you got that you could go out and implement right away 
Get that done in the next seven days and make sure to tell somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 